This is a conspiracy channel. Tape one. Welcome to the Hush Channel. Of the four sons of Ham, time has not hurt the name of Cush, for the Ethiopians, over whom he reigned, are even at this day, both by themselves, and by all men in Asia called Cushites, Flavius Josephus, Antiquities of the Jews. Josephus was a Roman Jewish historian and military leader who was born into one of the elite families of Jerusalem in AD 37, which by this time, all of Israel had been colonized and thus moved into by the Romans, just like every other land, circumventing the Mediterranean Sea at the time. Josephus's mother was an aristocrat descending from the royal and formerly ruling family of the Hasmonean dynasty and his father of priestly descent. At 29 years old, Josephus fought against the Roman Empire as a general of the Galilean military during the first Jewish-Roman War that took place in 66 AD, but surrendered to the Roman army which at the time was being led by Roman military commander Vespasian. This occurred after the 47-day, six-week siege of Yadfat, which took place from May 24, AD 67 to July 2nd of AD 67. After the Yadfat military fell, the Romans invaded, killing thousands. The survivors committed suicide. Josephus himself claimed to have been trapped in a cave with 40 of his companions. Flavius Vespasian and his son Titus asked this group to surrender. However, they refused. Josephus claimed to have suggested collective suicide instead. The group drew lots and killed each other one by one. And Josephus was one of the two men that were left after lots were all drawn. And he decided to surrender to the Romans and became imprisoned in Dead. Josephus then, likely out of self-preservation and cowardice, proclaimed that their Jewish messianic prophecies of which had initiated the first Jewish-Roman war itself had made reference and thus prophesied Vespasian becoming the Roman emperor. In response to this, Commander Vespasian decided to keep Josephus as a slave and interpreter. Essentially, actions like this is what leads Josephus going down in history as a Jewish traitor. Vespasian Josephus became emperor in AD 69, granted Josephus his freedom, and then Josephus assumed Emperor Vespasian's family name of Flavius, as he fully dedicated his loyalty to the Romans and was even granted Roman citizenship. He became an advisor and good friend to Vespasian's son, Titus, and served as Titus's translator when Titus led the Roman siege on Jerusalem, on Josephus's very own people, in AD 70, which was later followed by the looting and destruction of the Second Temple of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Herod's temple. This was a huge traitorous act as Josephus not only was born and raised in Jerusalem, but his family was wealthy in large part due to his father being of the priestly order of Jehoab, which was the first of 24 orders of the priests in the temple in Jerusalem. The two most notable works of Flavius Josephus are the Jewish War and Antiquities of the Jews. However, given his character and choice, it is not that all of his historical documentations are lies, but they may be skewed or manipulated to fit a certain narrative and agenda. So whenever he is used as a reference, 
it is worth speculation and only if the story aligns with other accounts of history or makes sense to the timeline or if the account made would be illogical to lie about for Josephus's agenda given the evidence of the history he did manipulate knowingly. Flavius Josephus was not the first historian writer to do this and will not be the last. The same can be said for many religious and historical texts as they are presented to us to date. The truth lies in between the lines, however, and that's where the information on this tape derives from. Hours upon hours upon hours of cross-referencing to eradicate retelling old lies. And so we proceed with the untold story and lineages of the children of Biblical Ham, beginning with Cush. Cush, the grandson of Noah, the oldest son of Cam, and the elder brother to Mizraim, Phut, and Canaan. Historically, Cush is spelled beginning with a C or a K, and alternatively pronounced Kash, K-A-S-H, as he was called in Hebrew, as Kash is the ancient Kemetic name of Upper Nubia, and later the Nubian kingdom at Napata, the kingdom of Cush, after his name. Here is his beginning on record. The last sight Cam had outside of the Ark was of his people celebrating with their collaborative effort and constructed the Ark of which their king and Cam's father told them would be the vessel that would traverse he and his family to Enki's land named Abyssinia. The massive land composing of all of Central and Southern Africa and ambiguous bits of Northern Africa. This was to be Noah's punishment for following the god Enki instead of Enlil. That is what he told them at least as is written in stone. The people celebrated as they believed this would be the last time they see their king forever or at least in a while. They were eager to send their royal family off in good spirits. Noah paced back and forth vomiting and vomiting because yes this would be the last time he saw his people and they him but not because he was going to Enki's land as punishment for not being a follower of the god Enlil. No that was just what the king told his people to coerce them into assisting him with such a large vessel of such humongous capacity and fortitude in as limited time as possible. Little did these people know this was their last day on earth. That their completion of the large vessel would be followed by the end of the world and the Anunnaki would release and open the floodgate mechanisms keeping separate from the earth the waters that is called outer space and the heavens. The flood gates of heaven itself placed above and below the surface of which we walk. Noah simply could not stomach that reality nor his self-preserving deception. This is written in the epic of Atrahasis. It is foretold that Noah left other children and other wives behind when he boarded the ark. But of Noah's known three sons, Cam was not the same. In the book of Lamech of Cain, it is written that of Nama's three children with Noah, one was born with the mark of the beast, and that was Cam. And this mark was present because Nama herself possessed the mark of Cain. However, unlike others, hers was inconspicuous, enough that Noah never noticed. Nor did Noah know of his wife's past and being the lover of the fallen angels. In 
and the first human woman to seduce them, making it possible that Cam was not Noah's child at all, as so many other sources tend to allude to. The Sumerians and Akkadians called Cam the Anzu, the Anzu being the name of the child of the primordial waters and the earth. He was considered a monster all throughout Mesopotamia, one of the seven kings of hell, later called names such as Asmodeus, Ashima, Kamodai, Hamodai, and Shamdan, an Anunnaki entity known to appear bearing the head of a lion and body of an eagle, considered one of the fallen angels in modern Abrahamic religious views. However, back then, these fallen angels were the heroes who fought for equality between the Anunnaki gods and mankind itself, so that humans could have free will and be enlightened with knowledge. They lied, they cheated, and they deceived their very own kind on behalf of humanity itself. Heroic, however, in a new world where Enlil reigned supreme god, these heroes were forever demonized. Of Cam being one of the fallen angels, he was not happy with the situation and before leaving the ark, he took it upon himself to steal from his father, Noah, the skins of Adam, which granted kingships, authority, and power. These garments were intended for Noah to give to his oldest and favorite son, Shem, but this did not happen. Cam instead hid these garments from his family and passed them down to his son, Cush, who also hid these garments from his brothers and his sons. Initially, that is. But a bit before that, Cam would leave his family behind in their dwellings surrounding the vicinity of the ark. A movement spurned from his father, Noah, cursing his youngest son, Canaan. He would build the world's first city and name it after his wife, Neotamiyuk, naming this city Yeruk, the precursor name for today's country of Iraq. Yeruk to date is still known as the world's first city. Cam's brothers saw what he had done with the city and Yaphoth became envious and did the same and named his city after his wife. His regions lied closer to what is called today the Caucasus Mountains, just north of Cam's very own settlement. Shem would also follow suit, but he would build his city closer to the vicinity of the Ark as to remain close to his father Noah on the mountain, as is written in the seventh division of Jubilees. Cam's wife, of whom the city of Yeruk is named after, Neotamiyak, also possessed other by names. The one of importance here is that of Semiramis. His mother was not human either. And in fact, in Mesopotamian lore, she is the consort of gods, the mother of the Anunnaki, the mother of the earth, and the deity throughout religious pantheons spanning the world associated with earth, love, fertility, and sex. Semiramis is Venus, the morning, and the eastern star. She is Lucifer. The Phoenicians called her Biblios, from which the Bible is named after. Enlil is biblically called Yahweh, although the name originally belonged to his brother Enki, of whom we now religiously call Satan. But it is Enlil's actions in possessing another's body, just alive with said desired goddess, that is most infamously manifested in the ancient Greek culture, where Enlil is called Zeus. In the Mesopotamian epics, it is foretold that Enlil has tricked the same woman into having sex with him numerous times, to the point he got sent to hell for it for a time by his very own father, Anu, from whom the term Anunnaki derives in conjunction with Ki, the Sumerian name for Semiramis. This affair of Enlil possessing the body of Cush to have sex with Ki or Semiramis results in the birth of Nimrod, placing 
Nimrod in a unique situation as a being that is both the child of biblical Yahweh and Cush. It was Nimrod of whom was the son Cush loved most and of whom he would pass the skins of Adam down to at the tender age of 20 years old. It would be Nimrod who would not hide these garments but instead wear them proudly utilizing the power within them. This specific tape is not about Nimrod however but he is important to understanding Cush's influence. In the prior tape, where we discussed Nimrod and his establishment of Samaria, which is called Shinar in the Bible and otherwise known as the first cradle of civilization after the flood and the first advanced civilization after the flood, if you follow the timeline of the Bible in conjunction with Jasher and Jubilees, it is established that Nimrod settled and founded Samaria and then somewhere before the Tower of Babel being built or during the commencement of its building, Noah divided the earth into three lots amongst his three sons to prevent further warring amongst his loving descendants as Nimrod at the time had subjected Yaphoth and Shem's lineages and rose his lineage to being the royal lineage. Nimrod's lineage is called the comedic lineage as this lineage derives from Cam. The thing people fail to realize is that Nimrod never left Sumeria and Sumeria is in Asia. He never left until he was killed and he was killed during the time of Abraham's grandson Esau and Esau is the person who actually slaughtered Nimrod. Nimrod. Abraham himself was born within Nimrod's royal quarters as Abraham's father Terah was an adamant loyalist to Nimrod in a belief system Babylon became infamous for. Terah in turn was a favorite of Nimrod and appointed as one of his princes. With such authority Nimrod appointed royal positions and kingships from amongst his lineage and commissioned them to go to the east and to the west to establish kingdoms in the river valleys there. From this the first cradle of civilization after the flood were settled. To the east, a sect of Kemite settled Kemet, which is Egypt in modern day. Just due north of the Nile River Valley, Canaan was established. Canaan in modern day is Israel, West Bank, Gaza, Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon. To the west of Sumeria, a Kemetic sect settled the Indus River Valley civilization, which birthed South Asia. South Asia in modern day is Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Bhutan, India, the Maldives, Nepal, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka. Another sect of Kemites were commissioned to go further east into East Asia across the Himalayan mountains. And this sect would settle the Yellow River Valley, which birthed modern-day China. And some of those who headed east over a period of generations would then settle amongst the 25,000-plus islands of the Pacific Ocean. And over time, again, migrate even further east, reaching the shores of the Americas and settling there, mixing in with the indigenous. Specifically, they settled in the river valleys of Mesoamerica and the Andean region, which we know today is where the indigenous such as the Mayas, Aztecs, and Incas resided. A region where Cain, the brother of Abel, had once been exiled to prior to the flood. In the Americas, however, there were other people. These other people survived the flood in the same way that Noah and his family had. And this is with aid from the Anunnaki. Instead of surviving by way of being above the surface, these people survived by way of going into the honeycombs of the earth, a place where some of the Anunnaki, even in the Mesopotamian tablets, had resorted to stake out at as the flood proceeded. Unlike the other Anuna who hovered in craft in the skies above the earth witnessing the devastation as the 
earth was wiped anew. These indigenous in the Americas tell of spreading out throughout the entirety of the planet by way of navigating the underworld or the world beneath the surface with aid from the Anusinome. The Anusinome is a species within the Anunnaki who are also referred to as the ant people. This is foretold in the indigenous American histories. The issue is that by the time Noah divided the world amongst his three sons officially, Nimrod had not only settled Sumeria, but he had also already commissioned his kin to go out and establish these lands just named. And this did not stop just because Noah had allotted some of the lands of these river valley territories out to Shem and Yapheth after the fact. No, Nimrod himself proceeded to preside over Sumeria turned Babylon long after the Tower of Babylon situation and confusion of tongues and it was the Tower of Babel's confusion of tongues which actually forced Yaakov, Shem, and Cam's lineages to go where they were allotted to go, forced them into compliance. The confusion of tongues was a part of the curse that was placed on any who refuted the divisions allotted but even after the Tower of Babel situation many of those within Cam's lineage stayed in Babylon which is in modern day Iraq. They did not leave. Just like Nimrod did not leave. He had already built this place up. It was too late. He was not going to move. And just think about the fact that his very own father, Cam, was already mad at Noah for cursing Canaan. And the fact that that is the exact reason that Cam took his family and left the vicinity of Noah in the first place. No, this was not the lineage that was going to move because of divine intervention. The Kimites who had not set out to settle the River Valley civilizations by Nimrod had already intermarried and became progenitors of majority of the ethnic groups today because not only was Cam's lineage the royal lineage at the time but they were also the largest lineage and thus the most desired lineage to intermarry into. They were also already mixed groups of people because of all the time that passed between Nimrod's rise to power and the establishment of Sumeria itself and this is another reason everything always traces back to black outside of pre-flood lives humanity started in Africa itself. Cam is the son described as being as black as a raven. Shem, black and handsome. Yapo, fair skin. These are not personification or whatever you want to call it. This is actual descriptions of them. Noah was born of black parents, but born albino. This is described not only in rabbinic scripture, indigenous descriptions throughout Africa and Asia, but also in extra canonical texts such as that of Enoch. The timeline of these events of Nimrod establishing Sumeria, sending out his kinfolk to settle the other river valley civilizations and then Noah dividing the land amongst his three sons and Nimrod and his kin still proceeding not to move because they had already done the hard work and settled and established these lands into greatness. They were not just going to give it up just because of what Noah said. Their family already has animosity against Noah in the first place. This sequence of events is not expressed nor explained typically. It is usually told as if it all happened at one time and without establishing a sequence or it is simply told out of order without paying attention to the text laying out a timeline as it is laid out ambiguously but it is essential to untold lineages and stories of cam which 
certain powers have obviously tried to bury for reasons discussed in prior tapes. But when you read these scripts specifically looking for such information, it is there. It is just never expanded upon because Cam's lineage is not the main characters in these stories and are typically vilified in these same stories. These lineages also prefer to disassociate away from such roots because of agenda, racism, and the spiritual nature of which in those days was known that this lineage, the comedic lineage, is that of which the fallen angels interbred most with and which derived from the fallen angels themselves. The lineage whose progenitor was a fallen angel himself, which religiously is an abomination. But in another sense, this is also the lineage of demigods. Such information is however essential in establishing the Kush influence and genealogy outside of its well-known genealogy scratching the limbs of Africa. Let's start from the very beginning, specifically in the Himalayan mountains. The Himalayas or Himalaya mountain range separates the plains of the Indian subcontinent from the Tibetan Plateau, which is located at the intersection of Central, South, and East Asia. The Himalayas contain some of the world's highest peaks and the world's actual highest peak, which is Mount Everest, which is located at 29,029 feet above sea level and 100 other Himalayan peaks exceeding elevations of 7,200 meters or 23,600 feet above sea level. And the range extends through the five countries of Bhutan, India, Nepal, China, and Pakistan. Mount Ararat is the mountain that Noah's Ark landed on. It is commonly misunderstood that Mount Ararat documented in the Bible as Noah's landing place is the present-day Eurasian Mount Ararat located at the extreme east of Turkey near the intersection of Turkey, Armenia, Iran, and the Nakhchivan Autonomous Republic exclave of the country of Azerbaijan. Following the facts, however, prior to the Middle Ages, present-day Mount Ararat in Turkey was called Nabaros and is still to date called as such by locals and natives alike to that region. It is not as if Nabaros is without its own importance as its name in theory derives from that of Nibiru, the home planet of the Anunnaki. It is just not the mountain of which the Ark landed. Secondly, in the Book of Jubilees, Nabaros is actually referred to as Mount Lubar when talking about the allotments of Noah's three sons. It does, however, mention Mount Ararat as well, letting us know that they are not the same place. The Himalayan Mountains is the Mount Ararat that Noah's Ark landed on. And I explain this more in depth on YouTube in the Finding the Garden of Eden video, but it will also be explained here briefly. If Noah's Ark had indeed landed on top of present-day Mount Ararat in Turkey, and he sent a dove out to see if there was more dry land nearby. Then the second bird, the dove, he sent out would have returned to him with evidence of land. But this did not happen. Let's look at the facts. Doves can fly non-stop for about 1,100 miles and see about 50 yards out. There are a number of spots the doves would have landed on within non-stop flying distance if indeed present-day Mount Ararat in eastern Turkey was Noah's Ark's landing spot. For example, Mount Ararat in modern-day Turkey at its highest point is at 16,854 feet. Kashantal is a mountain in the Caucasus Mountains in the northern side and in Russia. Its highest point is 16,896 feet. Skahara is also in the Caucasus Mountains 
but in the Georgian region, and its highest point is 17,037 feet. Dyke Tau, also in the Caucasus Mountains on the Russian side, is 17,077 feet tall. These mountains are not only within non-stop flying range for doves, but also taller than the present-day Mount Ararat in Turkey, meaning their peaks would have been visible in the middle of all that water. The Himalayas, on the other hand, is the highest peak on Earth, with Mount Everest itself peaking at 29,029 feet above sea level, with hundreds of other Himalayan peaks which exceed elevations of 23,600 feet or 7,200 meters. This makes sense, and its location is prime real estate as it is located at the crux of the continent of Asia. Perfect place to start over and repopulate the earth. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinnah, and they dwelt there. The book of Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. This is speaking to all the sons of Noah and his family, as they were under one supreme ruler, King Nimrod, and traveling together from the east to Babylon. From the east in Hebraic text translates to Mekidim, or Mykidim, or simply QDM, as Hebraic language does not translate to English with vowels. However, this phrase actually translates in Latin to the Oriente, or the Orient, which we know is East Asia today in English. Now let's look at some phonetics. Abraham actually took comedic woman to be wives. Ishmael and his wives had 12 sons, with the youngest son being named Kadima, who, like his 11 brothers, grew up to be princess. The name Kadima means East, and no, this is not just a coincidence. Names back then actually had a meaning. It is likely the K or CH part of Mikadim, which stems from the Oriental roots being the Kemites. The Himalayas are also west of Sumeria, which is modern-day Iraq, meaning that they had to travel East to get to Sumeria, which became Babylon. Turkey and the fake Mount Arab is east of Sumeria, meaning they would have to travel west to get to Shinar or Sumeria. The verse would have been written that it came to pass that they journeyed from the west if the fake Mount Ararat of Turkey was the legit location. However, this is why I state that the Bible also has a narrative that is sticks to it and things that are purposely manipulated, rephrased, and outright omitted in it in the same way that Josephus historically documented things the way he saw fit in order to suit a certain purpose. As stated before, all the major religions as presented to us to date are not 100% lies, but neither are they 100% the truth either. The way to sort of maneuver this is to, if possible, cross-reference. This is also one of those things whereas East Asia in the Bible is typically left out in the same way people in modern day that scream anti-Semitic are referring to Western Asian descendants of Shem as the Bible presented to us at current is one where Noah divides only the Middle East into three allotments rather than extra-canical sources that state that Noah was 600 plus years old, knew the lay of the entire earth, describing shapes of the countries from a point where he had to have seen these lands from above, from an aerial view, and where he obviously was dividing the entirety of the earth, which lends his hand to the theory that Noah's Ark was actually a spacecraft, and that he didn't physically have all these varieties of animals on board, male and female. What he had was specimen of their DNA, and Shem was allotted majority of Asia, 
continental Asia to be specific and he was given the greatest allotment of land and also within his allotment he was given the blessed thrones of God as well as blessed with Asia's biodiversity in comparison to other allotments but East Asians are not a part of the conversation when it comes to being Jews Hebrews and people yelling anti-semitic pleas in modern day only Western Asians let's not also forget the Bible including the Middle East amongst its allotments only follows Roman propaganda because there was a long period of time where the Roman Empire consisted of all the lands and areas surrounding the Mediterranean Sea and today we call that the Middle East these same people are the same people who colonized Israel interbred with Israelites took over their identity and sunk their paws into manipulating Judaism constructing Christianity and Catholicism alike these are the same people who murdered Jesus Christ and his apostles whose first pope was Peter the apostle of whom they had already murdered and named him Pope as a dead man these are the same people who constructed the New Testament who told their story in this New Testament and included themselves amongst the chosen people the Gentiles and even named the book after themselves out of ego the book of Romans they also claimed that Jesus disciples wrote the books of the New Testament when they had already been long dead and already murdered by said Romans by the dates given for said written books being penned books that are still in the Bible that is available to us these are the same people who pushed their narrative by getting it and blood during the crusades pay attention just because something is a religious text does not mean it does not have an agenda or a point of view a reason for being written nor a bias it does not mean it is entirely false it just means you need to always do your own research no matter what but all of this is key in further discussion when discussing the brothers of Kush as well. The division of the Asian culture, the mountain range that divides it, the timeline of Nimrod versus Noah's allotments, and the dramatic shift in phenotype and belief system once you cross the Himalayan mountains into East Asia, not to mention all the mystery that surrounds the Himalayas. Its mythical villages, its mythical monsters, it and its surrounding areas biodiversity per the arc holding all these genetic samples of most of the living organisms predating the flood and its restricted areas and temples this mountain range holds so much paranormal activity and mystery some of the world's major rivers such as the indus the ganges and the songpo brahmaputra rivers rise in the vicinity of the himalayan mountains and their combined drainage basin is home to some 600 million people but 53 million of those people resided along the 1500 mile length of the range itself this mountain is responsible for shaping the cultures of south asia and tibet and many of its peaks are sacred in Hinduism and Buddhism. Kush Mountains are a 500 mile mountain range in Central and South Asia to the west of the Himalaya Mountains, stretching through Central and Eastern Afghanistan and into Northwest Pakistan and far Southeastern Tajikistan. This range forms the western section of the Hindu Kush Himalayan region to the north and near its northeastern end. The Hindu Kush Mountains support the Pamir Mountains near the point where the borders of China, Pakistan, and Afghanistan meet, after which it runs southwest through Pakistan and into Afghanistan near their borders. The eastern end of the Hindu Kush Mountains in the north merges with the Karakoram Mountains toward its southern end, where it connects with the White Mountains near the Kabul River. It divides the valley of Amudaria to the north from the Indus River Valley to the south. The Hindu Kush Mountain Range is named after Kush, son of Cam, son of Noah. The Dravidians are the indigenous people of the Indus River Valley civilization and thus the indigenous people of South Asia. In modern day, purebred Dravidians who have little to zero interbreeding 
woven throughout their genealogy are beautifully ebony colored and as dark as ravens, like their progenitor Cam was described. Due to colonialism in South Asia, these purebred Dravidians are ostracized and even deemed untouchables and the bottom of the caste system in places like India. Their deities that once looked like them have too been appropriated and now depicted with lighter skins. Unfortunately, the world has done a 180. The same has been done to them of which has been done to all the indigenous spanning the world's continents. The Dravidians were initially a part of the stock of Sumerians that settled in the Indus River Valley as well as what is now known as Southern India. These Dravidians actually derived directly from Kush via his son Nimrod by way of Nimrod's daughter, Princess Azarad, placing Princess Azarad as the great granddaughter of Cam. And it is Azarad who married and birthed children with Eber. Eber is the great grandson of Shem, and Eber is from whom the term Hebrew derives, a term that literally means descendant of Eber, and thus Eber is called the father of the Hebrews. As told before, the comedic lineage was a desired lineage to marry into given their status and having the largest population of people. They were the majority and they were the elite. So many ethnic groups trace back to this lineage for this particular reason. This is why the black race can also claim to be of Hebrew lineage. And it is ironic that while not all Semites and Hebrews are Jews, as Semites refers to all the lineages deriving from Shem, including Shem's four other sons who are not the main characters of the Bible, and the term Jew itself refers to the tribes of Benjamin and Judah called the tribe of Judah, not all the 12 tribes. However, all Jews are Hebrew and all Jews are Semites. But according to the Orthodox Judaic code, a child is whatever their mother is. As Orthodox Judaism practices matrilineal genealogy, the code of Jewish law clearly states that a child of a Jewish mother is Jewish regardless of the father's lineage. This has been a fundamental principle of the Torah since its beginnings. Given this information, while being a Jew and Judaism did not exist yet in the time of Eber and Azarad, it would still make sense why the Bible of which also came later would omit who the wife of Eber was, because that would mean irrefutable inclusion of the Kimites as being progenitors of the Jewish lineage, as the Kimites were deemed pagan giants. This does not suit the Jewish agenda and image today, which is something to think about. Princess Azarad and Eber bore two sons together. This would be Peleg and Yachtan. It is Peleg of whose descendants penned the rest of the Old Testament of the Bible, and he is a direct ancestor of Jesus Christ. Their other son, and Peleg's brother, Yachtan, is of whom is mentioned in the book of Genesis. of Shem, Elam, and Ashur, and Arphaxd, and Lud, and Aram, and the children of Aram, Uzed, and Hal, and Gether, and Mash. And Arphaxd begat Salah, and Salah begat Eber. And unto Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. And Joktan begat Almodad, and Shelif, and Hazamavath, and Jera, and Hadoram, and Uzal, and Dikla, and Obal, and Abimel, and Sheba, and Ophir and Havilah, and Jobab, all these were the sons of Joktan. And their dwelling was from Mesha, as thou goest unto Safar a mount of the east. These are the sons of Shem, after their families, after their tongues, in their lands, after their nations. These are the families of the sons of Noah, after their generations, in their nations. And by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. The book of Genesis, chapter 10, verses 22 to 32.
This verse testifies to Yachtan going to dwell in the east, that is, east of Samaria. Yachtan and his descendants actually become what we call the Dravidians, the indigenous of South Asia. Yachtan does this during the building of the Tower of Babel, and it is believed that they were minimally or not affected at all by the confusion of tongues because they had already made their departure from that area, which leads to the belief that the Dravidian language is closest to the tongue of which Adam himself spoke, which makes sense as the language of those who were commissioned to go east possess the oldest surviving languages to date. These languages include Sanskrit, Tamil, and Chinese, which to date are still recorded as the oldest surviving languages. It is believed these languages were once one single language. However, they would over time be influenced by colonizers and their speakers would interbreed with outside ethnic groups, which eventually caused their original language to change and differentiate into distinct languages. Also, according to Brahma, the discovery of the god of Abraham, the sons of Yachtan, Sheba, Ophir, Havila, and Jabal, and their Dravidian families, it states that these were the first to settle in the Indus River Valley. A group of Aryan nomads would later leave from the Caucasus Mountains, travel south through Mesopotamia to the Indus River Valley, and colonize the Dravidians. These people were not an aggressive lot. The Aryans then named the land after themselves, and today it is called Iran after the Aryans. A few syncretic religions were born, and thus came the notion of Paris, which of course was both the Aryan and Dravidian's way of speaking of the Anunnaki, their alien gods, gods who show up in every religion to date. This word over time became known as fairies, and I talk a little bit about it in the Tales of the Gauls tapes. The Aryans called the Dravidians Hindus, as the Aryans had named them after the Indus River Valley, when Indus is pronounced as Indus, and these people were very well known to be from the stock of Kush during those times, unlike now. The name of Hindu Kush Mountain found its way as the name of such mountains in South Asia because of this genealogy being known back then. And also, the name of Kush is found in a plethora of places surrounding South Asia and the Arabian Peninsula until this very day. And his name is also found amongst their deities in the different belief systems that spawned out of this area. Which makes sense given that in the Mesopotamian narratives, his son Nimrod and his father Cam are also listed as entities and a fallen angelic Anunnaki descent. Not only that, but there is also another legend that talks about how Yachtan and his 13 children left during the construction of the Tower of Babel. This legend says that Yachtan, during the reign of Nimrod, was one of Nimrod's appointed princes. And as such, with Yachtan also being from Shem's lineage as well as Cam's, Nimrod appointed Yachtan to be the first prince over Shem's lineage. Just as Nimrod would later appoint Terah, the father of Abraham and great-grandnephew of Yachtan by way of Yachtan's brother Peleg, as a prince over over Shem's lineage. By this account, it is said that Yachtan was commanded along with a slew of others to bake bricks to aid in the construction of the Tower of Babel. However, 12 people including several of Yachtan's sons, as well as Abraham and Lot, refused these orders and Yachtan proceeded to smuggle the 12 of them out of Sumeria and into the mountains. Not only that, but the names of Yachtan's sons can actually be found throughout the names of entire ethnic groups, cities, towns, and multiple locations within not only South Asia, which consists of Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Bhutan, India, Iran, Maldives, Nepal, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka, but also the Arabian Peninsula, which consists of Bahrain, Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, UAE, and Yemen in modern day. This is why it is simply pointed out throughout these tapes that the Hebrews are a mixed group by today's divisions of people's definition, because from the very get-go, the father of Hebrews, Eber, is the great-grandson 
grandson of Shem, who married and procreated with Princess Azarad, the great granddaughter of Cam, making Peleg and Yachtan Semitic and Kemetic. And if you are technically following the Judaic law, lineage is determined by the mother. It is matrilineal. You are whatever your mother is by their own law. Peleg and Yachtan, the children of the father of Hebrews, these two sons of his are technically of the descent of Cam and are thus Kemetic, not Semitic. Reading over the books of Yasher and Jubilees, it is a story of a roller coaster where the Kemites ruled first and had the Semites and Yaphites as their subjects. Nimrod loses a few battles and eventually gets slaughtered by Esau. And some of the Semitic and Yaphetic subjects of the Kemites rise up against the Kemites, who are their subjectors at the time, and take the lands allotted to them by Noah from these said Kemites, then subject some of these same Kemites. Of course, this happens over a period of time, but it is typical for masters to procreate with their subjects and this is what occurs throughout all of this and so then there is the matter of the hebrews being subjected by the kemites of ancient kemet of which today is called egypt and according to these texts the indigenous egyptians called the kemites enslaved the semites and their subjects the semitic subjects at this time were the kemites who were once the masters of these semites so the indigenous egyptians actually enslaved the semites and other kemetic groups who were defeated during the downfall of nimrod and again, during that 400 years of captivity in ancient Kemet, there in indigenous Egypt, the Hebrews and these Kemetic groups who were their subjects once again interbred exceptionally. And when they left to establish Israel in ancient Canaan, because it was the land that was promised to them by God, by the time they left to do this, that group of people that had been subjected to the indigenous Egyptians were no longer defined as Hebrews. They were actually a hyper-mixed group of people. European etymology that is delivered to us and force-fed to us and only available to us typically avoids attributing anything to Cam's people, even when every other instance points to this being the obvious answer. Literally since the beginning of creating deep dive content on biblical Cam, I have seen so many legitimate sites, quote-unquote, alter the information on him. Likely because I point out that while there are certain curses and evils associated with Cam biblically, there is the other perspective that this is the lineage of demigods and then 2020 occurred and everybody started hopping on the trend of wanting to be a star seed or into witchcraft or to be some spiritual guru so now these people want to be a part of this lineage one site even tried to say that cam is white a site i had screenshotted and viewed multiple times over a course of years which always said that he was black now I'm stating that he was white because they want to be a part of this group back on subject however the etymology or linguistic origin is obscure mainly the kush portion of the name as Hindu derives from the Aryan pronunciation of Indus which is Indus. Kush however's reference is referencing a male killer who slays, murders, oppresses and is a dragon slayer or a dragon killer. There is also the Kushan Pass that goes through the Hindu Kush mountains. But there are lots of these sites named after Kush and we'll go over that in take two a bit more. However, remember the link to Cam's lineage being descendants of the Anunnaki and the different forms of the Anunnaki but one species of the Anunnaki being the reptilians who are typically associated with aquatic entities, reptiles, and avians or flying birds. The deity the Kemites reverence 
and went against the New World Order for her during the New World after the flood was Enki, who was depicted as a mermaid. Merfolk in Africa and in Asia are typically depicted and described as being able to shapeshift between either 100% human, 100% aquatic, being a serpent or a fish in most cases, or 50% aquatic, 50% human. Notice also how the Himalayas marks a stark contrast in the demonization of serpents west of the Himalayas and the reverence of serpents south and east of the Himalayan mountains. The people of West Asia look nothing and have a culture nothing like east of the mountain range. Enki was described as having a beautiful serpent phenotype which presented itself even while he was in humanoid form which is why he is called the serpent in the Garden of Eden. The people east of Asia have this specific phenotype but that is a story to be told in Kenan's untold tape as Kenan's stock is directly responsible for settling the Yellow River Valley which birthed China. But also some of Yachtan's stock would later contribute to its development as well. However this is mentioned because Enki and religion is typically a serpent of sorts and serpents can be merfolk and flying serpents. In ancient Syria, Enki was called Dagon. Dagon is exactly the entity that the Vatican worships to date. In Japan, there are the Dogu, which are small humanoid alien astronaut and animal figurines dating back up to 14,000 BC, unexplainably found scattered across all of Japan except for on the island of Okinawa. Unexplainable to them, but if you are listening to these tips, then what is understood does not need to be explained. Then there is the Dogon ethnic group of Mali in Western Africa, which is an ethnic group that developed from the backs of indigenous Egyptian priests who fled west during the Greek colonization of Kemet as the Greeks were beheading priests for not deciphering and revealing pyramid and comedic spiritual secrets. The Dogon knew all about the Sirius star system of which the state was disclosed to them during early contact with the Anunnaki. Long before modern technology allowed the rest of the world to know there was even a Sirius star system in general. The Dogon also stated that the Anunnaki entities require watery environments to live although these entities can also live on land for periods of time and shapeshift when need be just to do that and that they also come from the darker colored region of the Milky Way and the Dogon have a creation story that mimics the Mesopotamians and just what do you call a flying serpent? What is the reptilian that is highly revered in eastern Asia east of the Himalayas and demonized in western Asia west of the Himalayas where Abrahamic religions are prevalent in modern day. A dragon. Given Nimrod was a champion even amongst the gods, especially when you consider he is also Gilgamesh and Inerta, god slayers. And consider that Nimrod himself is from whom the Dravidians derive and is the son of biblical Cush and the Anunnaki entity Enlil who is biblically called Yahweh by way of Enlil possessing a body of biblical Cush and having sex with his wife and conceiving Nimrod. When all of this is taken into account, the name Cush meaning dragon slayer or killer makes much more sense. Outside of this written in plain sight genealogy between Kush and the indigenous of South Asia, the Dravidians, there are several other indications of Kush's link to South Asia. Stay tuned for tape two. End of tape one.